Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Battle of the Brits is back. It is indeed. We've got the men and the women back out on the court. Dan Evans sporting an 80s porn star tash. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Edmund, his usual uh, exuberant self. And Cameron. I don't don't like the tash. I'm going to just go straight up with it. (laughs) Jordan Thompson, he rocks it quite well. But I feel like Evo... What about big not... Steve Johnson? Yeah, Steve Johnson as well. Like, he rocks it quite well. With Evans, I don't know if it's because I'm not used to him with one, but it just looks, doesn't look right. I thought he looks... It's little... not prominent enough. Do you not think it's not prominent enough? I thought he looked a little bit like a plumber or something like that. What's wrong with a plumber? No, nothing. It just reminded me of like an 80s porn star plumber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what have you been making of the, what's it called? Battle of the Brits? Battle of the Brits 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been good. Now they're actually playing outside. They're not playing inside anymore. So yeah, yeah. we're noticing there's a bit of difference in the play because you've got, it's been quite windy over the past week. So you've been noticing yeah, yeah. they've been like one one end you're playing with a massive uh, tailwind, so everything they're hitting is just flying out, and the other end they're smashing into the wind. Been working all right for some. One person it wasn't working all right for, Joe Conta who, yeah. with her first game back, was a little bit embarrassed, uh, lost to the uh, young Brit. Was it uh, Jodie Burridge? Is that the right name? Yeah, Jodie Burridge, uh, who actually lost a shoe during one of the points in the match. <laughs> See? Yeah, I must admit, I didn't actually watch that one, but I caught a bit of the the other match she played recently, which she I don't know how she come through and won. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was. Where it was she was, she, went, she lost the first set 6-2, Second set, she was down 3-0, managed to pull it back to a tie break. Only just won the tie break. Yeah. It was like a, uh, an annihilation in it, or it was like 7-5, I believe. And then third set, she come through and won. And this was against uh, uh, Katie Balter, wasn't it? 
yeah, Katie Balter, which is um, I've got to be honest, mate. Conta should be beating her like every time. Like she's a, she's a top twenty player, isn't she still yeah. number fourteen in the world. She's fourteenth in the world, and at the end of the day, the level she's been playing at the last two years, she should be able to comfortably beat these type of people. But there's yeah. there's been a lot of problems with her. To be fair, like different things with her coach. I know she had a coach for like a month, and then he's she's now parted company with him. So it seems like she had a few problems with that coach. Hopefully now with the new coach, things can be a bit better. But there's something definitely missing with her game. Um, Ability-wise, she's got it. But there's clearly a mental blockage where she just beats herself up. What I see of her, she makes a mistake and then she gets really down on herself. And it seems to like she then can't bring it into the next few points. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's her first game back. Don't give her too much of a hard time. Obviously, you don't know... uh, her opponent's probably been playing more regularly than what she's been playing. So she just stepped back on the court. It's competitive tennis again for the first time. It's she not her first game back, is it? Yeah, that was her first match back where she lost. So I thought she played someone before that. No, that, and then her oh. second match was yesterday that she actually... Yeah, no, I'm talking about the second match, even the yeah, one she, she won. She, yeah, she lost the first match and the second match she won. But the second match... Yeah, but when you say she won, mate, she, she won, yeah, but she made a not, she made hard work of it, didn't she? she yeah, but she continues the, second, the second match the way that she finished the first match but there was a change in her mental side in the second set where she was three nil down a set down she won five games straight and then you saw like it started to come back a little bit it wasn't completely there at all nowhere near what her top standard of tennis but i think this is just the case with people coming back from uh, this break i think you're not gonna see the top level of their tennis for a good few weeks maybe a month something like that they yeah. got to be playing regularly, and it's quite and it's women's tennis as well. After all, we know lots of any t- women's tennis player can somewhat beat any other women's tennis player on any given day. Anyway, you throw a hiatus into the mix, you've got three hundred in the world beating top twenty. I tell you, who did come back for a bang, Alexi Vitutin. Oh yeah, he had obviously last season. We was covering a lot of him, like watching a lot of his matches, and he's come back playing extremely good tennis. I caught, I think he's played two, two, only two or three games. He's won all of them. He yeah. beat Cole Schreiber yesterday. Wow. Which obviously was a big favourite. He's in Germany as well. Ooh. But I watched the game as well and he beat him in two sets, looked ridiculously comfortable and it wasn't like Cole Schreiber was making many unforced errors. It was just clean, straight winners by Alexi Petuitin and I thought it was incredible. Obviously his favourite surface is the clay and um, it looks like he's really back to some good form and it's, that's why I wanted to touch on it because it depends. Like some players, like you see with Conta, she's come back and she's struggled a bit. But other players, they've come back and they're playing better tennis than what they did before. So it just depends on who you are and sort of it's all it, different dependent, really. I think it depends on whether you've had a chance to practice. You never know. Conta might have just been sat at home for the past three yeah, months and not touched, <laughs> literally picked up a racket. And there's other players who've probably been practicing once or twice a day or something like that, or maybe even practicing couple of times a week, still keeping their hand in. That's just mm. the difference. There was people saying they didn't even bother. They just used the time just to relax. Just, yeah. why bother? Well, I know Rafa, Rafa didn't play much tennis, yeah, did he? he hasn't play, didn't play anything for the first couple of months. Didn't yeah. even bother. Just thought, spend time with family. Yeah, why not? Have a break. Team, team definitely did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't yeah. think he had, 
I don't think he even had a few days off. <laughs> he just two days after all the things, all the tournaments got cancelled. He just probably arranged his own thing, yeah. and he was off hitting against the wall for the rest of the time. <laughs> but anyway, back back to the Battle of the Brits. What we actually, what I wanted to talk about specifically, mm. is a bit of beef. What happened on court? Yeah, yeah. Go on. I'm sure you've seen yeah, that. See, yeah, I saw it. Go on, Evans. Edmund, yeah. <laughs> the game's finished. <laughs> He's gone to put his racket in. Obviously, there's no handshakes anymore. <laughs> Pretty much is the end of the game. Dan Evans runs to the net just to uh, extend his racket just because that's the new handshake. Holds his racket there for uh, quite a long time and Edmund just wanders over and instead of just touching it, just whacks his racket <laughs> like, pretty hard. <laughs> and then... I don't know what they said to each other afterwards. I didn't catch it. Second time in the space. Be very careful, Kyle. Be very careful, mate. I'll, I'll tell you my yeah. I'll tell you my initial reaction. I thought it was a bit of a joke from Edmund. I thought he was just playing around, like being silly. Like, do you know, like his friends. Because at the end of the day, they're on the same team. They're in Davis Cup together. They must have played tennis for, for many years together. They know each other quite well. You would think that they're on a good level where there's a bit of like respect for your fellow like. Uh, countrymen, do you know what I mean? So I thought it was though. just a bit of playful banter. But then you look at Evans, you look at Evans' face and Edmund's face, and they're like proper angry and serious. And then, then you start to realise that they've got that there's actually beef going on. Well, and then Ed, Evans walks off, and he's like, "Oh, you need to watch it, mate. Carl, watch what you're doing and stuff like that." And he's gone off to his corner, and he just starts slagging him off. He was swearing. It was quite, yeah, he's seriously quite upset, but. <laughs> Fair, I think it's just all a load of. Uh, I think it's, it's just blown been blown out, out of proportion massively. Like it's a bit silly, isn't it? I think at the end of the day, this why it's good. This battle of the Brits thing has made it more competitive because you have got two guys who are supposed to be one and two in like the British tennis, and they're playing against each other, and they probably both want that title of being Brit- British number one. Edmund, actually, the first three times they played has actually beat. Evans and in the last two games they've played, yeah. Evans has pretty much demolished him straight sets. And I think yeah. Edmonds is Edmund is probably thinking, This guy's got the better of me and am I gonna be able to beat him ever, really? Yeah, that's exactly it. I think you've summed it up well. I think he's a bit upset because he wants to have that title of being the number one British player. Um and it's just yeah. And is it just like the sort of it, maybe there's some beef that's been on before, probably because with Dan Evans' suspension, that type of thing. Maybe he's shown like disrespect to the British LTA, that type of thing. Whereas Ever- Edmund has been... It's annoying them both having Evans, Evans and Edmund. Easy to get their names muddled up. But yeah, Edmund's, no, yeah. <laughs> Edmund's uh, has always it's been not a Edmunds. very... It's not no, I know, I keep calling him Edmunds. Edmund. <laughs> it's like Noel <laughs> Edmunds from Noel's house party. Uh, Edmund. <laughs> saying Edmunds and Edmunds. That's fine. That's fine. He knows what I mean. But Edmund, he, uh, yeah, he's just been one of those by the book players, pretty straight laced, and very. He's like a polar opposite personality to a Dan Evans, who is like not a party boy, but he's just more of a just more of a lad, I'd say. And I don't know. They just completely different characters, and I can't really see them blending that well. So I can understand. They probably try to get along, but they're probably not best of mates. I can't imagine them being best friends. The one thing I do want to say on it is I do think it is a bit embarrassing, not going to lie. It's an exhibition tournament. Just have a bit of like, um, I can't think of the word. Don't be a sore loser, you mean? Just 
relax a bit, man. It's like a, it's an exhibition match. You're playing. It doesn't really mean much who wins. You're not going to get more ranking points if you win. No. Just do it in a bit more grace of the game. Yeah, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe there has been a little bit of uh, bragging between the both of them. Maybe Carl was bragging. He was higher in the rankings before Dan made it ahead of him. Maybe now there's that behind the scenes beef. Well, I I don't think they do get on in general because I saw, I did see an article saying that they'd they've come together and they said something at the beginning of the year saying how, oh yeah, we get on now, we're good friends. But I didn't know there was ever a problem before that. So there's clearly been a few up and down issues over the years. I'm sure they've known each other for a long time. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully they can just squash it to be fair because it's good that they're both brilliant players and um, I think it's in our best interest, the whole country really, that they both get on. It'll be good for our Davis Davis Cup hopes as well. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, Cam Norrie's just there in sort of like the background. He's just sort of not been mentioned, but he actually beat Evans 2-0 in the first match. So he'll be looking to try and, I don't know. He's oh, playing him now, isn't he? He's, he's yeah, winning he's, now. He's on, he's on right now, yeah. He's actually 6-4 yeah. up in the first set tiebreak. So, oh, oh, it went back to a tiebreak. Yeah, yeah, it's in the tiebreak now. But very, very closely matched. But it's a very interesting dynamic because Evans, well, got beaten by Norrie. Evans normally beats Edmund, well, Edmund now, and Edmund normally beats Norrie. So you've got this weird triangle of uh, players. That's good, though. Uh, At least it's competitive. Yeah, it is. So there's all that. I think we've got three really promising, great players. Obviously, we spoke to Alex Rybakov, who's best mates with uh, Cam Norrie. So yeah. he's what our like, top guy is and just work ethic is second to none. So not surprised really to be seeing him playing so well this early in from like coming back from like the uh, break because he must have been training like yeah like, regardless by the sounds of it. Yeah, me me personally, out of the three, Cam Norrie is actually my favourite, I'll be honest. Like I, I enjoy watching his matches more than the other two. Um, granted, he's not as good probably. Uh, he's not done as much in his career. Yeah, again, he's young, and I think lefty. He's, I think he's yeah. No, he's just exciting to watch. I just really enjoy watching just him. Just took like, the first set. Watching him down. At, um, <laughs> what was it at the beginning of the year? He played in um, was it Indian Wells Challenger? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with with Nakashima and stuff. I thought that was incredible tennis. I know he lost that game, but it was just really. I really enjoy watching him, and I think he's got a really bright future in the game. And as you can see, he's beating Evans. And he's yeah. got the he's, he's beaten before the last time he played him, so he's not exactly no mug, no good player. So yeah, watch his face and see where he can go. What do you make? What do you think of the uh, the? Yeah, I like it. I love it, mate. Is I don't know if that's just that, the that yours, me. That, Fabio Fanini. No, I like it. I think it's a good look, like, man. I think it's good. Bit it's a bit of flair. This bit that always hangs down at the back, though. I don't know because it's oh, not. Yeah, like, no, like it's not it. like I it's like not it. like a proper like just one that you just wear like the sweatband. It's like one of these ones you tie. No, it's a bandana. Yeah, I don't know, but you tie. I don't know. Yeah, all bandanas you tie. For me, it's just you're getting mixed up with a headband. The bandanas, all bandanas you tie them. I don't know. For me, I've never seen a British guy wear one, so it's always a little bit weird. I love it. It's, I a, see... it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air for me, man. I think we need <laughs> it. Isn't we he need from a bit different, a bit of flair? Isn't he New Zealand anyway, though? Isn't he? So maybe he's. Uh... Of course. <laughs> yeah, but Carl Edmonds from South Africa on that same logic. Uh, so Dan Evans is our only real hope then. Yeah, but speaking about British tennis, I've noticed Andy Murray's been uh, popping up in the headlines a little bit, saying that he's actually looking towards this US Open now. So we could yeah. be seeing Andy Murray making an appearance. What do you think of that? 
Oh, before you, I answered that. Did you see him the other day, yesterday, in the doubles? Oh, yeah, he lost. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah he, did, he did all right, though. He was mixed doubles. He was it playing was with... Doubles, um, though, isn't it? He was playing with... What's, what's her name? The girl you said at the beginning? Which what? Katie Balter? No, the one before that. Oh, Burridge? Yeah, he was playing yeah. with Burridge in the doubles against um, Radicantu. Yeah, Radicantu. Who else? Salisbury. Salisbury. Joe Salisbury, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but Joe Salisbury's an amazing doubles player, obviously. He normally plays, uh, like, men's doubles, isn't he, with Raji Baram, I believe. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're, in a, like, one, they're top of the food chain doubles for men's tennis. So you've got a doubles player, like, regular on your team, you're going to be more than likely winning. It was close, though. The first set, they won it 6-2, and then after that, I think it went to a super breaker in the final, and they just lost 10-8, so it was close. But... Close. Oh, well, back onto his US Open. Yeah. In bigger so, news. What do you think? Whether I think I think he's gonna go, to be honest. The way all the all based off all the headlines, I think he's gonna turn up. Um whether he does any good, I, pr- I hate to say it, I doubt he'll do very well. Uh, I think you might I think we might be surprised. I think if he was to actually go, I think we might see like a fourth fourth round. I think he might mm. get to there. I'm not sure. It depends it obviously depends on the, on the route. draw because depends on the route because he's gonna his route to is gonna be pretty tough, right? Yeah, probably. Because he's going to be a wild card into the tournament. Probably. So he's not mm, yeah, gonna, probably. So he's going to get a tough draw. His first first round's going to be against someone pretty decent. So whether he even gets through that, it's going to be... It's, it's, the odds are going to be stacked against him from, from day one. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Like, and, um, obviously, he's got the ability. He's shown it before. He's an incredible player, but he's coming back from the injury. You've got to remember, though, like when you get to the, like, the US Open and stuff like that, and like, where the stakes are so high... If he's playing against someone higher ranked, obviously, but young, he has all that experience. He's been there. He's done it. He's yeah, but it's, you're talking like this is a normal U.S. Open. This is like going to be like a alien competition. There's yeah, no the one there. There's no still, fans. The pressure's still it's on. It's different, though, isn't it? It's like a it's like a training. It's, yeah, it's, come it's, out a, big, it's a big match, but it's like come out and it's said. Un, it's times doors. Yeah, that, but the people uh, have yeah. come out and already said that the pressure's still there. That, they're not going to. The pressure's not going to be the same as what it would be with all the fans there and the whole build up to a talk to a tournament. This is this is done completely different. It's still the same stakes on the line. Yeah, like, in essence, but it's never going to be the same. It's always going to be an. When you come up stuff. to serve for a set, you're still going to be thinking if I don't get this serve in and I double fault, then they're going to come back, I'm out, and I don't become a Grand Slam champion. Okay, but is it ever. a lot easier to do it behind closed doors or when you've got fans? You've still got you millions. and fans. You've probably got you can't a see billion them, people. You can't see them. Mate, it's like, it's still... like getting on a stage and performing in front of people or performing in just in front of a, a camera. Like here now, yeah, we're doing the podcast and there's no one here. I'm just talking to you like a normal conversation. Would I be able to have this same conversation if say, there was a thousand people in a in a crowd in if you're, listening to what we're saying. We could saying, get a thousand views on this, but we're not gonna I wouldn't be able to do it in front of a thousand people watching me. Yeah, but if you're doing it on a stage I'd be crumbling right now. I wouldn't be I wouldn't have the confidence the bad, at all. Bad example, because when you're on a stage, there's so many bright lights, you don't even see the crowd. So you're literally performing without seeing anyone anyway. It's only when the lights go off that you see yeah, but anybody. You're looking, okay, you're, you're, pimp, you're going too much into my example. No, no, someone's got to pick what I'm saying. Someone's got to pick it apart because it's that. Still, the same things are on the line. If you're there and it means something to you, then you would perform at your best, and you're always everything will mean something to you. Like even in yeah. any of these events, if you, there's a oh, title on the to line, to a level, of course, it's a bit more than an exhibition match. Isn't money it? on the line. 
ranking points on the line, yeah. like your legacy on the line. Like this could be an opportunity for some players to win a US Open or get to the semi-final. That's like an that goes down in history still. Like those yeah. sort of things don't won't be forgotten. Yeah, I don't take it away from that, but I think it's still a lot easier to do that than do it with all the fans because that's what make that's the big difference. Because these players, anyone inside the top five hundred, to get inside the top five hundred. The amount of games they've played at junior level, yeah, the ITFs, they've played an incredible amount of matches to get to the level of being a top 500 professional. So they're able to deal with high-pressure situations in, say, colleges or different places where they've played growing up. Even when they're proper, really young, like in their juniors and stuff, they're able to play under pressure when not many people are watching them and they're accustomed to that. So it's going to be no difference between someone who's never won a Grand Slam like a like a Medvedev, he'd, he'd have played in there all them high pressure junior uh, situations. A Medvedev versus a, a Murray now, he's more used to that. The only thing Murray's got over him is used to them big pressure moments and the, the big fans and the big moments. And he's won Grand Slams in front of packed crowds. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. But I guess you can look at it either way. I guess there's a there's a case for. It's a, it's a grand slam and the, what the players are feeling inside and how players react to crowds. So yeah. I think Murray's always been a little bit nervy and that's the thought of the mental side sometimes is where he's let himself down on big stages sometimes. Maybe that's the crowd. Maybe it's just something within himself. That's really but, but with his game, because it's such a defensive game, he gets away with it in a way because he didn't have... It's, it's a lot easier, I feel. Well, it's not a lot easier. It's, it's an extremely difficult st- skill, but... It's easier to play big moments being a defensive player than being an attacking player, I feel, because you've then got to go the extra mile to do big things. Oh, for sure. And that's why, well, the forever goat debate that always comes up is with the Djokovic argument is he's a very defensive player. And that's why a lot of people move towards Federer because he's spent his whole career since he's started winning grandstands being aggressive on the court and just trying to hit as many winners as possible. It goes for stuff, and that's what people want to see, ultimately. It's like when you go into a boxing ring and you see you've got the one guy at one end who knocks guys unconscious, or you've got the other guy who wins on points, who's the one who people can like want to go and see or want who sway towards. Obviously, you have people like Floyd Mayweather. That he's considered one of the greatest of all time, but... Not an entertainer, get, is it? No, he's not as entertaining. That's the, I think that's the problem with it. I think that's why some people sway towards Federer. It doesn't diminish any of uh, Djokovic's like results or any of his like tournament wins, but it's just what people want to see. It's spectator sport at the end of the day. And like when we spoke to Donskoy, he said that exact same thing. So I'm sort of just echoing what he said. Mm. He said, that's why I like him. Goes for everything. But one thing in Djokovic's support here is the way he plays crucial points is better than anyone who's ever played the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. He is someone at 30 all on his serve. He's able to manipulate that, 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 that game into the way he wants it to sort of be played out. He's extremely intelligent. Oh, and sure, you we? can say he's very defensive, but his backhands, what he does cross-court, his cross-court backhands is the best in the world. No one can ever, no one can do that shot like he does. And it's just super, super effective. 
We saw him against Monfils, didn't we, earlier this year? Yeah, and exactly, uh, yeah. you saw when you get, he had what, two or three match points against him. And it's just, he doesn't, doesn't like wilt under that pressure at all. He just gets it back in, but gets it. He's, no, but he plays the, it different. I think he plays these, these, these points differently. Yeah, like he, he has a game plan. It's, it's, yeah, it's why are you so intelligent? His, his strategy is like second to none. And he has a game plan for these, these special big, big points. Like predominantly, it's always sort of known that if you play the ball on the, on the opponent's backhand, then you've got an advantage. Like predominantly, I think players will aim to hit 80% on the backhand and 20% on the forehand of the, of the opponent. Yeah. Uh, with these big, in, on, on big, on big points. With him, he's just extremely intelligent where he doesn't follow no rules. He does what he feels at the moment based on the way the player's playing at that, at that specific time. He likes to call the player's bluff. When they're expecting it on the backhand, he'll play it on the forehand. Or he'll play straight to the body. To the middle. mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. He's just very unpredictable. And he's someone who's able to manipulate big points in a way which favours him. And that's why he's won so many titles and done so well in his career. Granted, he's a ridiculously good player as well. I think that does help. (laughs) You can't have the natural ability to match it. But mentally, he's just next next level. And that's why I do admire him for that. He hits plenty of winners as well. On the subject of what you want to watch, like you said, Federer, he's, he's so entertaining what he does. Or Nadal, Nadal doesn't get enough love. Like, from, like I've said, I've yeah. said many times on the podcast, he's my favourite player to watch. Yeah, he probably brings the most passion to a tennis court out of any player that you probably have ever seen. So, yeah. he's one that you, he's always in the picture. Like, he's the one that finally came along so that we could see something different other than just Federer. So, yeah. he's always there in the picture. And it's difficult there's when the Djokovic era came along which is sort of now and it's more about like players can't beat him more than he beats players it's just like he where do you where do you go they've got to go so close to all the lines that they're just mm. beating themselves half the time because you see he does the splits he does like in into the net back to the back of the court he's got every shot in the book so yeah, how do you, sure. how do you beat the guy? And that's the one problem that everybody has: how to beat him because he doesn't necessarily even have to beat you because you can't beat him. <laughs> that's pretty. That's why how it's I'd sum ball, it up. isn't it? Yeah, it literally is. It's just <laughs> crazy to watch him play and just think people were smashing shots at him and they're coming back. He, you have to literally throw a kitchen sink at him to win a point. Well, tennis is coming back, man. So I'm excited. All this talks definitely get me excited for the upcoming US Open and French Open. Yeah. Uh, see what happens with that. I know they've released like the schedule now for the tournaments. Obviously, the ATP Challenger schedule has been released now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like a few of them has now been cancelled. Yeah. However, I, I believe so. Yeah, which is a shame, but it's inevitable. We're always gonna we're gonna have to just accept that that's the way it's gonna be. Um, US Open looks like it's gonna be going ahead. Although America's not in a very good place. We've touched on this many times now on the podcast. Yeah, but the cases seem to keep keep rising and rising. So we'll see what happens there, whether it's safe. A lot of players aren't going to be turning up. No. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. At least they're, they're doing the qualifiers. Qualifiers are going to be got, uh, hitting off first. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, We had to see some, some underdogs play. Something we love doing. We love watching maybe a few of the challenger guys coming through and playing. Uh, that's going to be really good. And then obviously, oh, yeah. just French to bring... Open straight after that. Yeah, that was one thing I just wanted to, obviously we touched on it in the last one briefly. And 
Uh, I posted, well, you posted about it. I posted about it. It was, uh, we were talking about Carlos Alcaraz Garcia, and we were talking about another obviously great talent on the clay court tour was Carlos Taberna as well. We thought we might mm. see him. And then they pl- actually played each other the next day after we did the last pod. And Alcaraz Garcia, man, I mean, 17 years old, 6 1 6 1 against Carlos Taberna. First game back. <laughs> Jeez, God. the form just continued. That's what I'm saying. Like some people can come back with a bang, and others can come back like Conta. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be asked, but no. it seems like the, the, the way it is, and it just shows. Depends. Maybe, like you said, maybe he's been playing loads of tennis nonstop. We'll keep shouting his name. I don't think now. he even has. I just think he's just this guy. He's just a beast. Yeah, he is. He's I mean, just the future. Like I, it's going to be so exciting to see him. I, I really hope we get to see him at Roland Garros. I can't wait. I just want. I'm just hoping that there is some sort of big result coming for him soon, like a fourth round of a slant. Like I want to see him go deep into a tournament early in his career because I think if he does that, it's just like we're off to the races with this. Kid. Well, we've seen on the women's side, Corey Goff did it at Wimbledon. Exactly, and I think he could be similar the male, male equivalent. But he's well, he's touted as the next Nadal, isn't he? Yeah, that's what they say. But he's sort of. Sees himself. Yeah, that's only because he's Spanish and yeah, and on clay. And on clay. Awesome. However, um, the way he plays is more like Federer. Yeah, yeah. I think he's even said that. He came out in yeah. an interview and was like, "People referring to me as the next Nadal. I feel like my game is definitely a lot more like Federer's." But we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. see the future's definitely bright for him. He's going to be up there. Can't see wait he... to see him and Lorenzo Massetti as well. I want to bring his yeah. name in there. Another one I just love. I think them two are going to have a lot of battles over the over the. I hope so. Years. Are going to be, that's going to be I don't amazing. think they've ever played each other. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but, but it's, soon, it's going to happen sooner or later, for sure. Yeah. Go on. So on to some, on to some other news. We touched on some beef at the beginning. I've got a bit more beef for you, Ben. Oh, who's beefing? You know, who's going to be involved in this beef? I don't know. Well, Tell name me. a name. You know, you're going to know who it is. I'm going to go with, just off the top of my head, I'm going to go with a Nick Kyrgios, maybe? Exactly. Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> Back on Twitter again, uh, ranting off. This time, Borna Koric is the. They've been going for a while, side. haven't they? Yeah, it's still is going. It? Like oh. this morning, I was looking. It's still they're still talking. They're going off at each other. So obviously, Koric has come out and hit back at uh, Kyrgios, saying about how you're no you're no person to really talk. We understand the actual torsion have happened. However, who do you think you are talking about it? He's, I think he used different words to that, but basically that's that's the that's the whole. Hasn't Kyrgios been seen out at some sort of uh, parties or something since as well? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, it's just not. It's hard, isn't it, to be a gatekeeper when you're going out to clubs uh, yourself? You like, his his argument is he went out to a club in Canberra, and there was no. There's been no cases there whatsoever. It's two weeks since then. He's not tested positive, so that that's that's his justification to prove the fact that he was able to do what he did. However, says, if the Adria tour, no one tested positive on that, we would have personally, would have still been calling it wrong. Yeah. Because it's not, but you, you can't, you can't, that's what made the headlines. That they got, yeah, it's only unlucky that they tested positive. Yeah, At the end of the day, I think it's irresponsible of Kiros to have gone to the club. At the end of the day, like, you can't be saying stuff like that. I, I completely agree with Kiros, actually. The whole thing, what everything he said up until now is fine. <laughs> like, it's bad of what they've done in the Adria tour. However, him to keep vocalising the fact 
their fellow players at the end of the day. And I feel like it's not a really good look to sort of slag off your own players. I think he's just doing it just for just to stay in the in the media a little bit, though. I think he likes just getting under people's bored. skin. Yeah, everyone is. I mean, it's a bit like the like, Evo. It's like the Evo Edmund thing. At the end of the day, they've probably been pretty bored. They're not been playing their yeah. usual usual schedule of tennis. And stuff are going to come to blows more than ever, really. It's over an exhibition match and Edmund's only just tapped his racket. It's a bit silly and childish, but everything's getting so intensified because people are bored and have been locked in their houses for so long. What and I feel like Kyrgios is just taking this opportunity because he's bored to make a big deal out of something when in theory he's done a lot worse in his career. However, it's still right what he's saying. They shouldn't have done what they did, but did it take him to say that? Is he, does he need to say that? This is late. Probably not. Say. <laughs> then he says... Uh... Intelligence level is zero or IQ is zero. <laughs> yeah, then called him a donut. That's what he calls people. He calls people donuts. <laughs> he is funny, man. I, I like Kyrgios. I, he's, a, he's a breath of fresh air in tennis and it's, it's, it's good to always follow him. But I don't know if this is really the right thing for him to be doing. But oh well, it's a bit of fun. I'm not going to yeah. slander him too much for it. Kyrgios being Kyrgios. Yeah, I don't think he's personal. Like He's not personally attacking his players. I think he'd just call anyone for all it is. Just a bit bored, but... Well, we could speak forever on all of his tweets. He's always on there. Uh, yeah. Well, Another bit of I beef, think, mate. There's a lot of beef, isn't there? <laughs> I think there is. There's a lot going around, but that's just because people are bored. So let's try and relieve people's boredom with a new segment on the podcast we're going to introduce. It's called Big Three Facts. Big Three Facts. So, yeah, the... Did a little bit of research, tried to come up with a little fact for you. Uh, this one about Roger Federer. Did you know, like in the main drawer of events uh, in the ATP, uh, Roger Federer is actually ranked third with the most aces of all time. Can you guess who is second and first in this Wait, list? Wait, is this a quiz or a fact? Ah, it's more a, like a quiz. He's, he's, he's ranked third. So this is a fact. Roger Federer Wait, if, if we're is... going to keep doing this every week, you're not going to be quizzing me every week. No, I'm not going to quiz you, but this one I just thought was interesting. Because he is third of, in, of all time in uh, the most amount of aces, I thought you'd be interested to just have a little stab in the dark who was number two and then who was number one. <sighs> well, thanks for putting me on the spot there, Robbie. That's but all right. Just have a it's got to be one of the big guys, isn't it? Okay. So it's, it's got to be a John Isner. Correct. He is no, number two for most number aces. Number two. God, I was hoping he was number one. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you think is it coming in at number one? Right. For most... With number one, with number one, is he still playing now? He is. He is still playing. He's still actively playing. So Somehow. It's, one of big, it's one of the big guys. Go on. I don't know. It's Kevin Anderson or something like that. No, I think older. Think taller and older. What's the Canadian guy? Raonic? Nah, taller. Not as high ranked. Not as high ranked. He's still playing. Yeah. European? Oh, um, yeah, I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Karlovic. Yeah, big old Evo Karlovic. So, and... So the, do, you so want to know, the, do you want to know how many aces that he has served in his career? What, Karlovic? Yeah, Karlovic. Um, 
20,000? I don't know. That's just ridiculous. Oh, that's quite high. It's lower than that. Wow, well, like 10,000. Yeah, you're sort of, sort of getting closer. It's 13,000. Is it less? Oh, yeah. 13. 13,633 aces and Federer... With eleven thousand three hundred and forty-four. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you look down the list, so long though. This list, though, yeah, obviously is one of the older players. But you got uh, next on the list, Goran Ivanisevich, number four, with ten thousand one hundred thirty-one. You got Feliciano Lopez. He's that's a bit of a surprise for somebody. What about Raonic? Is Raonic on there? Raonic. He's. No, he's not in the top 20. You've got mm. up there Pete Sampras. He's at number seven. Andy Roddick at number six. Yeah, Roddick. I'll put the, yeah. I'll put the list up so people can uh, have a look. Kev Anderson's in there, though. You were right. He's number 14 on the list. Uh, Another Croatian, Marin Cilic. Like yeah. Del Potro? No, I guess not. Nah, he's got probably more forehand winners than the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Federer. 11,344 aces. Do you reckon he's going to be able to get to the top of that list before he retires? No. <laughs> I'll be honest. Because <laughs> Karlovic is still playing and Usna's still playing. They're both <laughs> banging down aces. I'll tell you who done. you are going to see on the list, though. Um, Riley Opelka. Yeah, I was going to say. He's, he's joining he's... that list in a few years' time. I know he's obviously young at the moment, so he's yeah. not really got much of a chance. But if you look at his probably season aces... He's yeah. right up there, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. He's, he's uh, hitting ridiculous amount of aces every year. I think year. he's got like, uh, I looked at some other stats, I think he's got one of the most aces per set in in oh, right. already. So, already? Yeah, yeah that's so. what I'm saying. So he's going to probably take that record, maybe. It depends, yeah. how, much, it depends how long um, Karlovic is going to keep playing for, because he's still playing, he's still knocking them down. <laughs> What's he, like 41? Yeah, I think so. But he only has yeah. to serve, doesn't he? You can always get to no, a tie he's good. He, I like him at the net. I like him at the net. <laughs> Really? He's, a, he's a quality player. Man. Can't lob him, can you? He's a quality player. <laughs> no disrespect for Karlovich on this on this. No, he's a, I like him, man. He's a giant Legend. in the sport. Let's... I like seeing him at Wimbledon as well. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the uh, one of the old greats. For sure. But yeah. Federer, third of all time in most aces. So that's that's the this pod's big three fact. Nice. Can't wait for the next one. So we'll bring this to every podcast now, I guess. We'll just have a little uh, fact for the podcast about the big three. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I'll enjoy that. Well done, Ben. No worries. I mean, yeah. to prepare the next one for next episode. Yeah, do it, mate. Test me if as well if you want. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh, we can get, make it hard as well. Maybe we can get some other people to uh, send in their big three. If you've got some unusual big three facts you don't think that we might know, yeah, send them in. Send it on a DM. Send us a DM exactly. on Instagram DM. or something. DM on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Twitter, he's Instagram, so you can choose who, who, who <laughs> says it to the other person. Exactly. But anyway, I think we'll, we'll cut it there, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you like the video, comment. We'll bring another one towards the end of the week. I guess that's it for now. Peace. Indeed. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.